Hey everyone, Jeremy, National Fire Radio. We're back at it in the studio. Rob Ridley sitting to my right, along with a new guest and a friend, somebody that uh, I've gotten to know over the last few years, and uh, it's all because of National Fire Radio and social media is why I've gotten to know this gentleman. Uh, Chief Kevin Copperthwaite out of the Christiana Delaware Fire Department, or Fire Company, I should say, number yeah, 12. Yeah, Fire Company, yep. Brother, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. And you got the name right. I did, right? <laughs> I was so worried about it. You know, too often when I when I start thinking about, like, how to pronounce things, I overthink it, and then I just totally butcher it. Oh, I'm the same way. I have yeah. trouble pronouncing a lot of things. But I've been trying for uh, the whole day today on the way here in the car, and then, you know, in between things, I've just been saying your name. So it's like... Tonight, when I say your name in my dreams, my wife's going to be like, uh, what are Who's you that doing? clown? What's right. going on? <laughs> Who's no, Kevin? Kevin. No, it's Copperthwaite. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> say it again correctly. Chief, thank you for joining us. Oh, you're um, welcome. I, I just want to hit back to what I said in the very beginning. You know, National Fire Radio, to me, is all about the people I get to meet and the, and the influence that uh, is on me, meaning the, the people and the influence they have on me makes me better. You're one of those guys, and I know that's kind of probably weird for you to hear, but I'll, t- I'll explain why. Okay. Social media uh, is very important to me because I, I like the upside of it. And there's a lot of bad, obviously, and everybody always focuses on the bad. But I think there's a tremendous value of social media for the fire service, especially today, because that's where most of our members and, our, and the people in this industry are paying attention to. Right. Christiana Fire Company out of Delaware does it right. You guys are a fire company that uh, is heavily dependent upon your social media influence to bring in and attract some of the best of the best into your fire company. You are the chief of that company. And and so what that tells me, even before I got to know you, was there's a command staff there and an operational staff that allows their people to be who they are. And there's a culture there that breeds excellence. And I firmly believe that. And because of that, and seeing that on social media, that got me to your doorstep. And I knocked on the door at Christiana one day. I touched base with you. I've gotten to know you. Um, I've ridden with you once or twice now on some calls and just gotten to know you as a friendly back and forth, a friendendly text or a fo- uh, phone call. But I just I appreciate you, and I appreciate our friendship, and I hope it grows from here. But well, thank you. Where I, I want to start it. with that, though, is the importance of culture in the fire service and what Christiana means to you? Christiana means to me was, um, so I love the fire service. Um, I had, I think everything I've owned, uh, everything I've done in my life, I owe to the fire service. I got involved as a young, uh, as an 18 year old. Um, and then my jobs I've had, I was because of the fire service. So uh, I just love the fire service. And Christiana was something that uh, I moved at one point because of changes in my life, uh, got involved in there. And, um, had a really great time and has just you know moved and moved and moved and everything that uh the many of the positive things in my life has been because of christiana yeah you know and uh i got into a leadership spot was able to try to try a few things that i thought would work and you know it's not just and it's not just me it's like everybody you know it's a whole team you know so yeah so so take me back before you got to christiana delaware you're a new jersey guy right Yep. grew up in new jersey give me a little backstory about you and how you ended up to where you are today so let's start at chapter one Went to, uh, you know, grew up in a small town in Pennsville. That's where my, my dad was. Um, he grew up there. Or, excuse me, he grew up in uh, Medford as a fireman. And then he moved, uh, after he got out of the Navy, he moved down to Pennsville. And uh, he was always involved in a fire company. So I'm like, you know, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 
and I'm going to calls with him because he was a chief then. So he I was fire that. chief from 76 to 83. Okay. Um, so I used to go to calls with him in the pickup truck, you know, and just loved it the whole time. So then when I was, they had to start a junior program in uh, late 81. So that's how long I've been in since 1981. And uh, I was uh, able to take calls, become a junior, was in the fire company for 20 years. And then at some point, um, my wife and I decided, it's like, it's time to get out of the town. But just taxes kept going up uh, and up and up and up. Welcome to New Jersey. Yep. So, but I, I love Pennsville. Um, we had a great time in Pennsville. And uh, I was a chief there for five years, five, six years. And uh, did a lot of fun things there, a lot of great friends there. Um, but as time went on, we moved over to Delaware. I had, and I just got out of being chief in, uh, in Pennsville. Okay. So uh, I was done. You know, it was kind of one of those. I, so what happened was, like a lot of places, the EMS was, uh, we did EMS. Sure. And EMS was a problem as far as getting out, and nobody wanted to volunteer to do it. Just talking about it. So we started uh, a career service in Pennsville, and I was kind of intimately involved in that because I was the chief. So at the end of that six years of being chief, I was kind of done. You've you know, had yeah, you're pushing back. There's a lot of pushback. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't need to do this. We don't need to do that. You know, so um, we got to the point where, uh, and then my wife and I were talking always about, you know, taxes are never going down here. They're, everything else is going to, you know, so maybe it's time to leave. So we did moved over. I'd worked in Delaware for years, um, so we moved over to Delaware. I had no intention on joining the fire company. So I'm, we built a house. I'm out cutting time my to lawn. slow down, right? Yeah, yep. get some personal yeah. time back. Yep. <laughs> Uh, out cutting my lawn and uh, one of the guys I know so I'm a I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here some of the things yeah, I'm right. saying but I was a uh, I was paramedic in Delaware for several years so when I worked in Delaware I used to you know we would uh, be with the firehouses all the time we sure. would diff take different uh, BLS units so I knew a lot of the guys over there in Delaware um, when I got over there uh, out cutting the lawn I see one of these guys it's like hey what are you doing over here so I was like yeah, I just moved He's like, why don't you join the fire company? I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I mean, I've been, you know, <laughs> I've just been burnt by that for I've several years. So I've yeah. done my share. I've done my share. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. So uh, you're not getting me. Well, as time went on, um, you know, I get involved. I volunteer. Yeah. I go over there and they're doing a bunch of calls. And then, you know, the wife's getting on me. It's just like, you're never home like you were in Jersey. You're always there at the firehouse. But um, as time went on, so I just got involved that way. And, and as time went on, I became an officer chief. And then, you know, for yeah, that's I mean, Talk about the itch, right? That influence as a young kid, right? With your father putting you in the pickup truck and taking you on those calls at yeah. 10, 11 years old. I mean, I know what it was for me growing up, but just talk about that a little bit. I mean, what did, do you look back on those days today and think that that was really that foundation that really just Absolutely. cemented that love for the Absolutely. job? Absolutely, yeah. It was just a lot of fun, you know? So I knew all the guys up there. You know, I'd go, he'd take me up there, uh, you know, during the week or sure. at night or whatever. So I knew everybody. Um, I had a great time up there when I was up there. They would teach me things, you know, so it was just a good foundation. And it's like, this is pretty fun. This is a lot of fun doing this stuff. And then uh, as time went on, you know, you just get to go to calls. And it's like, this is fantastic, you know, and it just grows your love, I think. I, I think, you know, it, it, was, um, it was for a very long time a family business. Yes. Most, uh, you know, I grew up in a house of, I have two brothers, so there's three boys. Mm -hmm. My father was a fireman. Uh, and all three of us became firemen because of him and the influence growing up, right? Yeah. Uh, my one brother has since moved out um, of the area and didn't pursue it further as a volunteer. My, my oldest brother is still a volunteer. I still volunteer um, and so on. And, and, and we're all very passionate about it. Um, I wonder today how often I talk to so many people and they talk about their kids, but I never hear too many people anymore talking about their kids coming into the firehouse. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like their their kids are 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 not following in the footsteps of their mother or father in the fire service, or uh, we just had this conversation with somebody earlier that they wanted uh, quote unquote more for their kids. 
Yeah. And I, I wonder about that because I, I and I, I'm just starting to think about this now as you as we sat here and you talked about your experiences as a young kid, because I remember how instrumental and influential those were for me. Right. And I'm like, why aren't we doing that with our kids today unless the fire service is not allowing us to give those benefits to our children anymore like we used to like right. we can't just throw i can't just throw my kid in the front seat of the engine with us as we pull out the door right anymore. right right yeah yeah, yeah. you know I, yeah. I i think of dan schultz because his son is very much involved with him yeah and this is like as you're describing that he he came to my mind immediately because it's somebody who's got a kid who's following in his father's footsteps but it was because they were so involved and you're right we don't have i well Right, I don't wrong, want to say across the board. Yeah, I know yeah, a lot like, of guys that their kids are super involved. Right. And as young kids, and 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 they promote their children to um, to really fall in love with it like they did and give them oppor- every opportunity to do that. But I'm just look at, like, I look at the, the guys in my volunteer firehouse and how many of their kids are following in their footsteps of being a volunteer fireman, and it's not many people anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you I have one of, one of two. So one of my sons loves it. Yeah. Um, he's gotten – he was – he had to, he went down to school in Tennessee, so he just got out of there because it was all career around him, couldn't volunteer. Yeah, right. um, but he loves it. Um, my other son, the road doesn't have anything to do with it. Right. Um, and it's not negative against him. Oh, just right. like absolutely. He loves the thrill of doing like he does like bungee jumping, all kind of crazy things that I would never do. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he loves the thrill. Like I get that same thrill doing sure. the fire stuff. Uh, but same um, here. you know, but he uh, he just doesn't have, doesn't yeah, enjoy it. Doesn't want to do it. I just want, I want to explore that further, yeah. Rob. I think that's a great topic to look at a little bit further but i just look at how influential it was for me and i literally look at everything in my life and base it around the fire service at some point yeah any experience i have or friendships i have or influences i have or how i how i make decisions and and judge situations really circles back to everything the firehouse taught me in a way i think so at least it's a lifestyle right it is and it's so I, i you know i just think it's fantastic with you know you're helping people um, you're, you're giving your, your time to a worthy cause. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I'm content, very content doing it. And I don't know if, you know, I've heard other people say that. It's just like, oh, more fun for my kids. It's like, well, is, is more making, you know, $150,000 a year living in a mansion? I don't know, but I love doing what I'm doing. I'm very content. I'm not poor, you know, so I'm not searching for each meal. So it's not, yep. you know, there's that pushback oh, there listen, a little bit. It's just like, I'm not a bum or anything, you know, meaning I'm not making any money and I'm taking care of my family. But, um, you know, there is something to be said for, you know, I'm helping people, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and I'm content, as there opposed people, to... There are people you know. crying in the Ferraris. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, a real conversation. Yeah. 100%. Chief, real quick, I just question about your dad, like, as him being chief and everything, and you mentioned that he was in the Navy. What did he do in the Navy, do you know? He was on a destroyer in the engine room. Okay. Yeah. He was, um, so he, <laughs> he's hilarious when he gets going on stuff. He's 94. He'll be 95. Should have brought him with you. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a good traveler. We took him, <laughs> we've taken him a few places. Yeah. Doesn't like to travel now at his age. Um, but anyway, so he was. Um, he grew up in Medford, New Jersey. His father and his grandfather were firemen there. And it was a little different story. You know, it was a small town back then. You know, they blow the siren and, you know, everybody comes up and helps out kind of thing. But um, he, uh, so he was involved in that. And he says when he went to high school, they were training for war. So he, uh, he goes, I didn't learn anything. All they did was like me. We did exercises and learned how to like, you know, hold guns and all that kind of stuff, which I don't know if that's a little exaggerated or not, but whatever. <laughs> Makes for but, a good story. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. so he got out of high school in August of 45. So yeah. the war was, World War II was just winding yeah. down. Yeah. So he worked around the little town in Medford for a little while and then he joined the Navy and then he got uh, in 
Korea started why, why I was in the Navy. So he was in the Navy. Sail yeah. in the Mediterranean while the Korean War was going on. So he was he was happy not to be in the Army, he said. Yeah, yeah, well, that's... <laughs> I, I, I asked the question just because I've, I've been starting to draw these parallels of the American Fire Service and how much we were, like our foundation comes from shipboard firefighting from the, mm -hmm. those war years in World War II and how many of our veterans, uh, especially from the Navy, came out and came home and then started their, you know, being active in the volunteer fire service. And everybody in that at that point was, you know, damage control was damage control. It was right. everybody's responsibility. So yeah. it's just, sorry for the tangent. I just was curious no, no, to no. see. because yeah, that's fine. So, all right, so you're mowing your lawn. Christiana guy comes by, says, why don't you join? You're like, okay, we'll think about it. Right. But that itch from when you were that 10, 11-year-old kid in the front seat of your dad's pickup truck kicked in. Right. You missed it. Right. But I like being a fireman. It was like being a chief was a pain in the neck. I get it. You know, talk I like being a fireman. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the transition now. I mean, like you said, it's a pain in the neck, like. What's uh, well, it's just all you know. So, and it's about so the New Jersey side of it, not necessarily the Christiana side, but the New Jersey side of it is dealing with politicians. So, there was a you know, a town council, uh, five people you have to deal with the mayor, the public Small safety guys, right? In our town, I don't know if it was this way up here, but in our town, it was two fire companies shooting for the same budget. So, uh, in the township, there was two fire companies, both of them are stabbing each other in the neck every day about. You know, I need this. I need this. They don't need that. You know, and you get to the point where it's just like, so now I'm fighting a town. Plus, I'm fighting the other fire chief, yeah. trying to get my share of the pie. And it's know, volunteer. And, and it's volunteer. Like I'm doing this for out of my own goodwill to give back to my community, and right. all I got to deal with is stress. Right. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. I think that's a lot of the downfall of, of the volunteer fire service. It is. Yeah. Is, you know, we have enough time being spent in the volunteer area where calls and training and required meetings and trainings and things yep. like that occupy enough time, but to then take the next step to become an uh, administrative position because truly the fire chief, yeah, he runs the fire and the volunteer fire service, but he's the guy doing all the nonsense in the backyard, yeah. right? So all you're doing the all the budget. budget. Yeah. You're taking the purchase orders up to uh, town hall, make sure they're getting it. paid. You're making sure everything's, you know, working and all that it's type of thing. It's a thankless job. Yeah, and then, um, you know, so then you're at some, I was at some, this is one of the things that kind of did it for me other than the EMS thing, but I'm at some meeting and I miss a working fire because I'm at some meeting and it's like one of those, am I here to do meetings and yeah, budgets or I'm here being a fireman? There's something wrong with you this know? picture. So, and we're only doing, uh, what, 300, 400 calls a year. Not that's, you know, that's still like one yeah, a day. I mean, yeah, so that's you know, still taking your time and it's different in the fact that like when I'm at home at Christiana, I'm not necessarily getting up for a fire alarm because crews are handling that. They're in house, right. but at Pennsville, I am, I'm getting up. Take my vehicle. I'm driving to the firehouse. So it just, just takes that, more time. Just you know? this conversation with yeah. you. So it's difficult. Well, I, I think no. it's a great conversation to have, though, because like you and I really want to just go down this in, into the weeds for a little bit. You mentioned that you had an EMS issue that you guys were dealing with yeah. in in Pennsville, and then you, you started. To, so you hired some career. Yeah, we hired. End up hiring eight eight folks. But like that, I mean, that's a huge uh, step in. A, I don't want to say right direction, wrong direction, but it's a step in finding a, a solution. A direction. Yeah. Yeah. And like kind of talk, talk about that, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are going to struggle with this in the fire service, especially when it comes to because EMS is whether you know, you're either in it, or you're out of it. But if you're in it, you have to you got to be providing it somehow. And, yeah. and nowadays, if you're not providing it, there's not going to be like in New York State. We don't have the commercial providers to give us that service. So this ostrich, put your head in the sand and say, no, somebody else t will take care of it. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the rub where I was was we were so anybody in the firehouse. So if you're in the fire station in Pennsville, 
tones went off, you were you had to go. You were forced to go by by our rules, not by a township rule. But we just said, hey, we're here to provide a service, you know. And I kept giving the township warnings of, hey, we're forcing them to go, but you know, this dog is only going to hunt for so many years. Yeah. You just can't keep doing this and thinking it's right. going to be okay. So, you know, typically in the politician realm, it's like, well, as long as it's getting done, I care less. Yep. You know, I don't care if I'm screwing you guys over. Who yep. cares? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I've heard that before. So yeah. it keeps going, you know, for two or three years. And I keep warning them, hey, you know, at some point we're going to stop. So then I gave them the old six-month warning of, in six months, I'm going to stop this rule. I'm just tired of forcing the guys to go. It's starting to hurt the fire service or the fire side of the equation, too, because they're not hanging out at the firehouse. Like, if you're forcing me to take calls on ambulances calls I don't want to go on, I just oh, won't no. be there. Right. Problem solved for me. Right. You know, so I kept going and kept going. But then they did the drop dead data, you know, and they didn't believe me, obviously, because they didn't do anything. And then it was like, you're waiting for ambulances for a half an hour. People from other towns were coming in from long ways away trying to, you know, cover our ambulance calls. So then, of course, you get the phone call of like, hey, what's going on? Or, you know, nobody's coming. It's like, I, I told you. Yeah. So that, that kind of led. Now, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go as far as I, I, I envisioned the guys being crossing the floor, being firemen and EMS. The town didn't envision it that way. They wanted just EMS. And I got to the point where, okay, you're going to do it. Then it'll yeah. go your way. Obviously, you're paying the bill. Your way, I, I, I can't be a part of it. Yeah. So, and that's when it kind of, yeah. I got it. They, they got hired. Um, I stayed for like six months after they were hired, and I kind of faded away. So, got it. Yeah. But, got yeah, it. that's how we saw the problem now. There's the that area is doing some uh, privatization. So they got some uh, companies from the outside coming in. I wasn't really in favor of that thinking that, uh, you know, you're having somebody from another uh, organization in your firehouse. So, you know, when they back into a door, whose problem is it? If they, you know, whatever, something breaks or somebody's accused of stealing something or whatever the case may be, whose who's finger are we pointing? If they're working for the town, I know there are employees well, and yeah, I was gonna we say, can solve those problems. They are now your resource too. Right. Like they don't ever have to be in jeopardy of being farmed out to somebody else. Right. Or, uh, you know, like I always think that sometimes when you get to that private EMS resource, it's a game of three-card money, and they're just shuffling the resources yep. around yep. until it hits. So it's yep. yeah. But EMS is a big problem in the United States, I think. I mean, it's just I couldn't agree with you more. Who's I mean, covering where, it, where I'm locally, where I'm located right now, it's a massive problem, and uh, it's the game of let's pretend it's not a problem. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it's really starting to show its face now, where they used to be able to hide it. It's not being hit as much anymore. Um, COVID did one interesting thing, though, when, when we talk in the world of EMS pro, pro, uh, providing. In our area, uh, the overwhelming response for COVID calls required the hospitals to put paid ambulances on the road, which we never had before. Oh, wow. In New Jersey, where we are, ALS service, paramedic service is provided by the hospital. It's yep. hospital-driven. It's not private organization. It's not municipality. It is uh, hospital-run. So it's private. What they saw was with COVID was a lot of volunteer ambulance corps were uh, overburdened with responses. Some didn't even want to respond to COVID calls because we're volunteer. We can't crazy mindset. But that was actually a thing. Right. And so on. So the ambulance, the hospitals and the privatization stepped up and they started putting career ambulances on the road. Uh, In fact, there's one stationed right here where we're sitting um, out in the next building over and um, and their hospital run. And they're for profit and they back up the volunteer services now. And what's crazy is, is now at least we're getting in a step in the right direction to have 24 hour transport available. But the problem is they're being overtaxed now, too, because the volunteers know that there's an paid bus here now. So it's like, all right, we don't get out. It's not that bad anymore. We'll just pretend we still don't have a problem. But the problem is now these buses are running nonstop. Yeah. 
And so it's this it's this ongoing battle. But EMS in general, I think, um, at least in our area, needs a massive overhaul. But I think nobody wants to touch it. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. That's scary. But they're always gonna, I think they're always going to go path of least resistance. Well, anybody yeah. that has the right. control, you know. So. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. So. <laughs> so, I mean, so, okay. So, we so get to let's, Pennsville, yeah, let's get out of New yeah. Jersey, Rob. Yeah. I'm trying right. to get out of New Jersey. You keep bringing us back. Let's get out of New Jersey. I want to get to Delaware, right? Right. They picked him off his front lawn and made him join. He had the itch. He wanted to get back. Forced him. Forced him Forced back. Me. I no. can tell, right? Yeah. yeah. Kicking and screaming. Yeah. The van so, in the hood. What, kidnapped him. Christiana, you had, you had made a comment before about um, explosive growth there, right? So when yeah. you joined, looking at my notes, you said you joined in... Uh, I joined years ago because I moved over for a job. So I had... It's, it's kind of a strange... From when you come from the New Jersey area, the way they do membership, as opposed to, and I have some uh, knowledge about New York just from uh, Chief Lombardo and Chief Pressler and all yeah. the way they do things. Um, but uh, Delaware is unique in that um, you can join, pay dues, and really not do anything, but you're a member. So I was a member from, I think, 87. I moved over for a year um, before I got married, trying to get a job in Delaware. And um, when I was over there, I joined. And then uh, I moved back to Jersey when I got married because the housing was cheaper. Um, so imagine that, right? Yeah, it was. Like, yeah. What? what? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But um. So uh, yeah, it's good. and uh, I sort of lost my place there real quick. No. So you 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 joined in '87. Oh, I joined in '87. So I was a member paying dues. Right. And then when I he came, hey, you want to join again? It was kind of like I got involved, and they're like, oh, you're already a member. You're fine. Start riding. So I was like, okay. So that's how I was a member there already. So I was kind of already a member. So in, in 2002, you became an active riding member. Right. At least, yeah, that's what the notes right. say, right? So 20, 2002. Um, what was it like then? Because I know the Christiana of today, but what was it Yeah, then it was more ago? people coming from home. So it was a home response department. Right. Three fire stations, um, which we still have three today. We just don't actively staff uh, all of them. Um, so three fire stations, guys that lived in the area coming from home. Um, maybe two career ambulances. They had a part-time ambulance. They were paying people part-time to work on the ambulance, and they had a full-time ambulance. There was eight full-time guys there and a uh, four-platoon system. And uh, they would just take ambulance calls if there was a fire. Some the uh, full-time guys were allowed to get on the apparatus, but they had to wait for guys to come from home. But if nobody came from home, they would go with two. Um, each ambulance had a hearse tool on it, so if they got to an accident and nobody came, then they would just you know make the, right. make the cut themselves. Um, and it just, it was come from home. So it was more kind of like New Jersey and Pennsville that I came from in that way, but it was just Christiana. And there was a ton of calls. That's why I have some respect for these companies that, you know, if you have a thousand calls or 1,200 calls coming from home, oh my, you're, you know, that's, I know. A, that's hard. I, I absolutely I, get how it. How do you cover that amount yeah. of runs from home? You know? said that last week. We talked about that 700 and 750. Yeah, there's that, 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 like, right, that break off point where, six or seven or eight and then you get to the point where it's just like well i can't have people in the firehouse all the time there's not enough calls you'd just be sitting there all day and nothing would happen right you know or i get to the point where i'm having people come from home and but come from home or six or eight or a thousand calls that's you know yeah that's taxing it does become taxing and it becomes even more taxing when you ask more of your people because you don't have the numbers of guys you used to have right like i feel obligated now more than ever that if i don't get up out of bed and go there's a potential the engine's not going to get down the get down the road. Yeah, and who's like, covering that fire alarm at two in the morning? That's right. You know, I'm coming from home. Right, and you're getting up for work the next day. Yep. <sighs> and we and, and there's some nights where you go out two three times. Right. 
you know, and and that's just in my department. It's just strictly fire calls. It's not even EMS. I could, yep. couldn't even imagine the EMS does over a thousand runs a year in my town. And it's one hundred percent volunteer. Right. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Couldn't imagine. We're doing I think six seven hundred fire runs. Yeah. I mean, that's, and paper, you know, the paperwork. I want to get stock ambulance. Listen, I want to get back to the days of like two hundred fire calls a year and one hundred and fifty of them are fires. That's mm. what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that exists, but <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, for you guys, I mean, you know, so, all right. So, 20, so 2000, no, 2002. So you get back in and you're like, all right, this is cool. Back mm-hmm. at it. Enjoying it. Riding the back step. Right. Going to fires. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They're but it wasn't, fires. it wasn't as populated as it is today. Right. So Delaware saw growth. Yeah. I think it, it grew. Um, our area grew probably in the eighties. 90s and there was it's still growing today but it grew in the 2000s so there was a good solid 30 or 40 years of increased population when when did the alarm start to increase to the point where because there was this you know the this transition that happened in christiana where like the home response wasn't going to cut it anymore right and like so like how because that's the point where you couldn't get to the fire. Even if you even today, if I wanted to have the guys do home response, it would be impossible. They would never get there. Right. There's just too much traffic, too many lights. It, it would take them 15 minutes to get to the firehouse, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's when we transitioned to having people in the station. Uh, but back in the 80s, they were probably doing 800 runs, 900 wow. runs around an area. It was steady. Yeah. Um, and then it really picked up as time went on. You know, we're up to we're just over 4000 now. So you know, I'm four thousand. So we, I guess this is a good point to talk about today's Christiana Fire Company, right? Mm-hmm. Because it it is quite different. Yeah, it transitioned probably twelve around in there years ago, where we okay. started having we dedicated having one crew, one fire crew in the station. We hired some more EMS uh, staff. We had a uh, full time. It was why we hired more, more full time, more part time. Um, and it's just time has went on. We've just increased that number of full time, increased the number of part time, and gotten volunteers that are in the house. And we're staffing apparatus in the house nobody's leaving nobody's coming from home right so home response is no longer you have career staff in now so how many right. how many ambulance uh, you do ems still as well yeah so. we have uh, am- ambulances are our backbone because of uh money yeah we get ambulance billing yeah right. that's most of our budget and how many how many buses do you have now uh four up during the day uh till midnight and fully then, staffed right yeah yeah weekends it goes down to three and they're staffed by uh full-time and per diem or is it um mostly part-time and one there's eight full-time so the the four thousand fire runs is not including the EMS response. No, EMS is a ton more. Twelve, almost twelve thousand EMS runs. <laughs> okay. Like eleven. Did you see Rob's Rob's brain is starting to spin? He's like trying to do math on his notepad over there. It's like, like eleven thousand eight hundred, eleven thousand nine hundred. No, yeah, I, I don't know. it's wild. I mean, if yeah. you think, I it will, happens a lot. I will. T- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It happens yeah. a lot. Listen, the times that I've been there, it's nonstop. It's nonstop. The, you don't really see the ambulances. They're rarely. Yeah. They do quarters. a tremendous job. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly ladies that we that that, mm-hmm. that work there. Um, but they do a tremendous job. It's tons and tons of work. And, and they, 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 it's you know, if you love EMS, um, we see a lot of cool stuff. You know, uh, you hate to say cool stuff, but it's kind of like shooting, well, stabbings. Yeah. I mean, I think that's you know, a, accidents. People hit. There's something there though, because I think that, you know, on this issue of EMS, we, we're we're burned out from calls that are not. Like we're cross-staffing where I work, so we have two guys are on the ambulance and they're cross-staffing a ladder truck, and they're going out on calls, and they can't even say, oh, man, like, I missed that fire, but you know what? Like, I saved a little baby's life. Or, yeah. no, it's like we had another mental health transport to the hospital or right. we had another right. person, 
you know, stuff, right. uh, something ridiculous. Right. Lab uh, values. So, yeah. Yep. Right. Thank you. Right. <laughs> so, Speaking our language. so, and a career staff for fire, what do you, what do you staff for? They can do both, but um, it's, so it depends on where we are. So if we have a down staff and they could move to the ambulance, it's not typically they do, but sometimes they do. Um, five on a shift. So oh, 20, 20 guys. Okay. Right. Okay. And then a career assistant chief, um, full-time mechanic, full-time administrator. Okay. And then so the it's like 30, 31 full-time people. Today. And then the volunteer ranks, how do you know what the number is on that? I was trying to do that today. I think 70 or 80 around in there. Active. Yeah. Which, which, which is, is like relative. Some, some guys are there all the time. Some guys are, you right. know, come in once, once every three weeks or so and give, you know, two days or something. Yep. Yep. Which I think is a unique program that I, I really want to dive into. Um, because I, Christiana to me seems like one of those sought after places where if you want to, if you want to go to work, you want to go to fires, you want to go to wrecks, you want to get experience, you can do that there. Mm-hmm. It's a place that provides you the opportunity to better and hone your skills. I would think we try. Yeah. But I, I mean that in all seriousness, right? No, like, no, that's one of the things it's just like, we try to have it. So it's, you know, exciting. Um, you're going to do some cool stuff and you know, that's what I think attracts people. Yeah. So how did that transition work? Were you a part of the transition from realizing like, okay, this is we're, we're, we're trending in a very busy way with the acceleration of growth here. Our call volume is trip doubling, tripling, like we, we're going to need more resources. How was that process? And it was a, it was a slow process. Like people look at it today and think, you know, it's just like you know, some of the younger guys that come in, it's just like, wow, I got all these. It's just like, yeah, well, this didn't happen overnight. This was a, you know, a yeah. 10 year process of moving things, you know, and doing things. But, um, so we, uh, chief change, we had a chief, uh, change. Um, so the new chief got in, not me, um, and did a few good things as far as they had a membership requirement. You had to live in district. So they dropped that. Okay. When they dropped that, people started coming in, and then we just made it to we had like a um, associate member type of thing. You come in and, and ride, um, but you weren't a real member. You're an associate member. Then we dropped that to like just you're a member. If you're here riding, you're a member. And then we just kind of kind of changed the mindset. It's okay to come in for you know 24 hours, you know, once every three weeks, and hang out for 24 hours. Then you go. Um, so we changed that mindset, and then as time went on, we just gained and gained and gained membership. Got the, uh, the rules structured a little bit as far as, you know, what's required to be here, um, what you're required to do to ride and that type of thing. But, you know, oops, sorry. that's just been the evolution of, of doing it. How hard was it to create a new culture? I mean, you have a whole new set of rules. You're rewriting the game. I mean, right? just, just making the fire department transitional so you can get people in to become yeah, members I mean, is that, like that. Yeah. It takes really proactive thinking. And well, it's guys that want to do go to fires. So that's what, they, you know, you're, you're, you have a target of who you want to try to attract. So that's, hey, we got a fires. We go to lots of runs, you know, come down and we'll help you out. And that's, our, that's our goal. And then, uh, you know, a side goal that's been, you know, lately has been maybe the past two or three years is we have enough guys that work in different places. If you want to come down as a young person and try to be a career fireman, we can probably get you in somewhere. We can lead you down that path. I don't know if we can get right. you in. We don't have that kind of influence. <laughs> We're not no, a mayor or something. Well, but ultimately, though, you're going to be in that driver's yeah, 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 yeah. We can so, walk you down the path because yeah. there's enough people that work in enough, you know, major departments and enough, you know, other departments that can help you out and help you start start your career as a fireman. So there's another kind of, like, carrot we're dangling. I'm, I'm really impressed with the mindset, though, because too often we get caught up on the tradition of how we've done things in the fire service. Yeah. I think that's one of our Achilles heel of, of the fire service. Well, we really changed the fact that 
our goal here is to get apparatus on the street quickly as possible and do a fantastic job. You're, so put, you're putting the residents first. Right. That was, that was our whole goal is like, how can we, you know, because we're not doing a good job now. We've recognized that. We had a, so one of, the, one of the things that happened was we had a car accident. Um, this was back when we were kind of still doing come from home. Car accident. The ambulance gets there. They're uh, trying to cut the guy out. It's like a guy and a gal trapped in a car. Um, we fail as the apparatus. We had like one guy at the firehouse that couldn't drive. Or No, it was two people at the firehouse. Nobody could drive. So, the re- you know, the rescue engine's sitting in the station. They can't go. Next two company comes. They co- driver only. Next two company comes. They finally come up with like two guys. And it was like, it took these people like 40 or 50 minutes to get cut out of the car. It was like, this is embarrassing. This yeah. is unacceptable. Yeah. You know, so it was one of those transitional things where this can never happen again. And I was just moving that evolution as far as we I, need to change and make things. And the fact you know. that it didn't get swept under the carpet. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, that's the thing. Like, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, how many times do we know that this has happened where we have heard stories or witnessed it and nobody's taken any steps to actually make sure but, this doesn't happen it's just like this I'm is a saying. one-off this and is, then it happens six months later but this is what i'm saying is yeah, they, that's, they that's recognize that, that you guys they're willing that. They're, will, yeah. they're willing to recognize that and then address the issue how who who tucked the ego into the drawer to right. make sure that that conversation could happen yeah i think when we get the i took over from another um so the chief i said we made a chief change yeah when, when that guy got in in power he started making changes and then we just kept going and going and going and going. another chief took over i was deputy under so i was deputy under both of them but I was deputy under operations under the second chief, um, and we just kept making changes. Guys started dedicating time. Like, was there any hey, pushback or resentment from? Oh yeah, there was always you know resentment, pushback. We're in this, we're screwing things up, and you know, but we just kept kept going to uh, you know one foot in front of the other and kept going. And you know. I can't imagine that as you're doing this, especially in the infancy of this, and as the plan is moving forward. In quotes, like, how were you tracking the progress? Because I know how. We talk about the positive in the fire service, we're trying, but I know how toxic the fire service can be. And if you have a room full of haters who are making the loudest amount of noise about this, how did you had to have a point where you were like, no, no, this is actually working. The citizens are getting fire yeah. response. Am- ambulances are going. The fire trucks are going. These are all good things. Like, yeah. was I think it's all those result driven. You know, yeah. they're saying like, well, we were doing isn't really working. I know we're yelling about it, but it really wasn't working. What we're doing is kind of working. You know, and we're just yeah. going to keep going. So that's that's kind of what happened. And I, yeah, and I have to think too. At some point, other districts around you were taking note of what you guys were doing and saying, "Wait a minute! Like it seems to be working. These guys are getting on the street. They're getting on the street fast. Mm-hmm. They got staffed apparatus, right?" And that no. starts to then people start looking around and going, "Wait a minute! They might have the answer." I have to think though that there's some success stories there that fueled your growth of saying, "We're doing the right thing. We need to keep pushing." Yeah, forward. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, we cool. made it uh, one year or maybe uh, it was like over a two-year period. We made it like two or three grabs, and it was one of those, this is working. We're pulling people out of buildings, you know, so it, that, that's was, cool. that was a real rewarding that's thing. That's cool. You know? that, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's what it's all about yeah. right there. Yeah. That sums it up. So how did then – okay, so all the rule changes, with rule changes come uh, conflict, like we talked about, trying to find resolution to that. But then there's that also that culture shift that has to come with it, right? Right. You said something before that I think was the quote of this whole episode, and it's going to be, is we like going to fires. We want guys that want to go to fires because we can give you, I want to go back and listen to the exact quote, but it was in regards to, we want people that go to fires. Yeah. We want people that want to go to fires. Yeah. I mean, that's what your culture is today. I mean, people join Christiana. You guys advertise how I started this whole podcast about social media. There's a reason why you have a great social media presence it's because you do a lot of work, and it's a place where guys can go to go to work. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. 
That's great. How does it work, though, culture-wise? Because I could, I could only imagine the conversation I would have with people when I said, yeah, well, let's open up our, inv- let's open up our membership and let guys come in whenever they want. That's got to be challenging. Yeah, right? it, was, it was, at least. It was challenging, and it was, you know, there was some of it, obviously the politics behind it of voting, too. Hey, who yeah. can vote? Right. You know? Because you still have that company side? Like, yeah, there's still there, the company side. They have, like, their elections and all that kind of stuff, you know? So it's just trying to get, you know, enough, uh, you know, so there's the calculation of, well, can this guy vote? Can this guy vote? But all that, there's that kind of thing going on, too, you know, behind the scenes. Um, but we just kept kept moving forward and, and kept getting it done. The right people were getting elected, um, had the right motives, you know? So it's never a chief. It's always, you know, five to eight. 12 guys that are moving in the same direction and want to do the same thing. Right. You know, and that, that was the key to the whole thing. So I think part of the success of this and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are, um, you just don't accept anyone. You do ride along programs first. So the ride along is kind of new. I mean, when I say new, it's like, you know, a year or two old. Well, maybe Um, just talk about the process a little bit about how this, how you become a member, because I think that has a big part of how you weed out ones that, just don't fit that mold or, right. or can do what you need. Hypothetically, so we were, Jeremy Donch wants to join. Let's say, use him as the example. Uh, we can get into that later, but let's go. Now, we're bringing a lot of guys in, and then, you know, so we're doing these things called recruit classes. So it's, like, you know, 20 or 25 guys that join or gals. doesn't. I'm just, I use guys yeah, generically. Yeah, same here. Um, but it's 20, you know, 20 some people to join, and then we would retain five, four, three. And it was like, do they really not enjoy here? But so they would come down, you know, like if they want to go to fires, then they would get involved in a place like, yeah, this really isn't a fit for me. You know, I don't, I don't like the way that things are going. Um, so then we started doing these ride-alongs. So, hey, do three ride-alongs with us. That way you kind of get to see the culture. You kind of get the expectation of how it's going to go every day. You kind of see the people. You know, is this some place that you would enjoy being, or is this some place that you don't? It's also the tempo. And if you don't, fine. You know, that's fine. And then we're not wasting your time. You're not wasting our time. Right. You're never done. Um, so then we started doing the three ride-alongs. So once they do the three ride-alongs, so they submit an application, say, hey, I want to join. And then we say, okay, schedule the ride-along. Um, so they schedule three ride-alongs. Once they're done the ride-alongs, then they get the formal application to put into the company to join. Um, then after they're accepted to join, we do a recruit school, which is a three-day program, uh, one night, two days, um, of just training. Hey, this is how we stretch lines. This is how we do searching. Um, this is how we throw ladders, just that kind of basic stuff. And everything we do is kind of based on riding positions. So then they get assigned a riding position. This is how much you can do as far as uh, I sort of explain it correctly. But so um, like the engine has a nozzle backup. The truck has bar OV. So no guy's getting signed off on OV because that's kind of operates on their own. But you would be given, okay, you've done well enough in recruit school. You're going to be on the bar and you can ride nozzle and you can ride backup. So then they just kind of progress that way. So they're kind of plugged into the system. The responsibility is pretty uh, clear cut of as a nozzleman, this is what you will do, this is what you will bring. So then as you do that well, then you can kind of keep moving up. Yeah, so it's kind right. of progression that mm-hmm. way. Absolutely. Makes sense. Um, so then, yeah, it's just a matter of putting in time. Um, we, hey, the more you're here, the better you'll do. And, uh, and they, a lot of guys do it. Consistency and expectations up front. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Yeah. And it's amazing because I, I think there's so many members in the fire service who fail because they're worried about putting consistency and expectations out there and holding people accountable to them. But yet here you are doing that and you're finding success. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so we're very, I didn't talk a lot about it, but we're very uh, riding position driven. So every, every vehicle, every truck, every engine has a riding spot. And you go to that riding spot, it's all pre-designed what you'll do, what tools you'll take, and what your job duties are. So then people are just looking at people to excel at that. So the company officers are just looking for these guys that are coming in, and you're riding the bar tonight. I want you to excel at doing the bar. Yeah. And then, 
you know, that's how you're measured. And then once you get the bar down, okay, you're, now you're going to move on to uh, OV or you're going to move on to hook or you're going to move on the roof. You know, so we just have different spots and we just keep moving. That's your kind of, you're working oh, your way up in the department. That I way. love that. I think we need a lot more of that. But I think what Rob was saying too, though, is just, you know, when we when we put out our level of expectation and we expect performance and we expect proficiency and people are held accountable because when you lay out your level of expectation, there's now self accountability on each person. Yep. They have to meet your expectations because yep. that's the minimum. The yep. expectation is the minimum. Yep. Right. And, think, and that's kind of and the minimum really kind of is put your mask on fast. Um, here's how to put your mask on, get your gear on fast. That's the minimum. Then we start with skills and, and go for over there. So yeah. Do you bring? Do you? I know you attract a lot of guys that already have experience. Yes. Do you attract new firefighters? Yeah. Yeah. Like no training at all. Come in. Some no training. I mean, uh, I'd say ten percent no training. Maybe even five. Um, most of them have training, but with a lot of younger guys, a lot of eighteen, twenty-year-olds, they just love the fire service and wanting to be involved. Yeah. And we try to, you know get them involved and help them out as much as we can. That's great. Well, you certainly have the institution that can certainly teach and train them. Yeah. And we get a lot of guys getting higher places, you know, we get guys, uh, you know, or guy Memphis, uh, guy, you know, I don't, do you know Harris? No, uh, uh, maybe I, I don't. Season Memphis guys in Philly, you know, uh, Rob, I'll, I'll tell you this, the couple times that I've been there and the guys, I mean, I, I absolutely everywhere I go, you know, I introduce myself to everybody just because you should always know who you're talking to. And mm -hmm. so, Always introduce guys, but it's amazing how many guys there were on their days off from their real job. Yeah, yeah. How many career firemen ride there to go to fires? Yeah, I know it's a two-hatter thing. I and get it. Guys on the career side are kind of yeah. like, "What are you doing?" But yeah, well, our guys love it, and you absolutely. know. Yeah, but I mean, like, I went to PG County originally to see what a consolidated system was like because Spitzer wanted to make that New York become that. But then I had an amazing experience with motivated individuals, and at the time, like my boss in the fire service was not doing anything to, you know, we were an ambulance service that also had fire trucks. That's how right. I would describe the culture at that time. We've thankfully been able to change it now, but like I was going down to Hyattsville to catch fires and I had really, really good luck for a while. Yeah. Um, and even when it wasn't, if we weren't going to a fire, just the, the aspect, and I think you can kind of relate to this, of going to a report of smoke in the building and pulling a line on that and everybody performing the function of the job. Whereas, I mean, how many times do we see in the country, oh yeah, odor smoke or smoke in the structure, or, you know, kitchen fire reported out and people are investigating it and they're just not taking any proactive steps maybe is the right. best way to say it. Right. But like, We just say everything's something until we say it's nothing. Right, and, and, and to, to put cotton in the street and to pull a line and to like, man, that was just so formative and it started to hone my skills as a firefighter, because now, you know, I use Hyattsville as the example, like I, I worked for a whole day on all of those positions on the engine of being the line, being the backup, being layout and, and, and hallway and, and like, man, like it was just such, cause that's in firefighter one, we're not, we don't actually teach anybody how to use a fire nozzle or right. a, a nozzle and a fire hose. Like, and to just go into the details on all those and then to move up to the truck and to do, like you said, the bar, the OV position, like ladders. They have a ladders position in Hyattsville. So just to get into the craft of throwing ground ladders and the culture behind it was was fantastic. Yeah. And it truly made me, like I like I talk about it in my, when I interviewed for a lieutenant, I was like, this is the thing that has made me a good firefighter. Like, 
I am going to be a good candidate as an officer because I have got to actually watch officers work and they are much, much younger than me. Yeah. And there's no way that you would ever look at these people and be like, oh, well, you should pr promote them based on looks because they're so young. But I got to see the right way of doing things for yeah. once. And that's, you know, I think that's it. it you, that's what I'm picking up that you're doing in yeah. Christiana, which is amazing. Well, proficiency if, and you're allowing your people to work. You're yeah, allowing if you do your it, people to operate. Right. We just want firemen to be firemen. They love mm -hmm. doing it. So why don't I let them, you know, like we're doing a practice for. It sounds so simple. Well, we're doing, you know, if we get a, a box, we call a box, so yep. like a structural fire. Yep. You know, if we're laying a line, we're going to stretch a line. They're going to do the things they're going to do, and they get to practice at it. You well, know, it's just right. like it's practice uh, of going to a fire but not really being on fire. It's kind of game speed. It's kind of preseason, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. What, um, talk to me about the culture there at Christiana, right? I mean, now everybody there, we like going to fires. We like going to wreck. We like being tested. It's your personal growth. It's also the growth of the company. Mm -hmm. The 12 for Christiana signifies something very important, correct? On right. your helmet shield, right? So we're talking about your membership. They do three ride-alongs. They come through your uh, orientation program. Right. They get assigned. They come down. They can ride every so often, you know, come down as much or as they little. come down as much as they want. Right. Um, there's the riding board. Then they get put on the, uh, the riding board by the officer. Hey, you're riding, excuse me, wherever today, you know, whatever spot. Right. And then um, when you first come into company, you have a blank front shield. It just says Christian on the bottom, but there's no 12 on it. And the 12 is our station number. Um, so um, as time goes on, you prove yourself as like, I'm doing the right things. I mean, we have a rookie book, so they have to do the rookie book. Um, they have to like put time in when they're doing the, on, on the apparatus. They're doing the right thing. They're taking care. They're doing their morning checks. Um, when they're doing everything right, as time goes on, they've made a commitment to the department. We'll give them our 12. So that's just one of those, hey, I've came into the department, I'm doing the right things, um, I'm trying to learn, and I'm moving and improving, and then you're part of the organization, here's a 12. So it's just something to earn to say that you're doing the right things and you're moving forward. It's a big, proud moment, though. It's pride, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, you know, to earn the number on your shield, yeah. I think for the individual, is that, that piece of... Uh, mind that you've worked hard and you deserve that yep. right it's yep. not an eighth place trophy this right. is a first place trophy right. because we want you right. here well yep. and, and also it like i think sometimes people there's like a couple things that come to mind like sometimes people um confuse like discipline and accountability mm -hmm. and like you are trying to help people get to that 12 it's not like cause mm -hmm. I, I think the i've seen times in the fire service i mean i, I was a a member of a department once that wouldn't let me drive any apparatus and i was uh you know i'd been a career firefighter for i think 12 years at that point like and they're like well you've got to go through our qual and i was like okay then take me through the qualifications right and then you get stonewalled and it was more of a punishment than it was right to get you someplace but here right. it's it's a qualification and it seems like correct me if i'm wrong but the the company is trying to get you there because the more 12s that are on that that wall the better off the company's going to be yep yep and we just we, we just feel it's like something you know it's always you're always working so you're working in that riding spot your next we even do it with our company officers so that when a company officer gets promoted to a lieutenant or captain they have a blank white shield oh no kidding and same things they earn their numbers too how does by the, doing you know yeah. doing the things we want you done it's even the little things you know are you doing your chores every day is the hallway getting mopped every day you know we have a schedule as far as what's supposed to get done every day um so these things getting done people aren't seeing you sitting around you know so people aren't watching you uh, sit and watch tv you know you're you're, you're a productive member of the department yeah. for, so for you as a, as a um forward momentum for you joining getting active and then starting to work your way up through the ranks and then being a part of a lot of this cultural change operational change cultural change 
for you now in the position you're in today, many years later, and you're the chief of this department, what does that mean to you? Like when you when you walk the bay or you walk in and you, oh, I, I just enjoy seeing the guys succeed. I mean, really, it's not about me, you know. It's just oh, I get that, you, right? Yeah, you know. absolutely. I mean, somebody but, gets hired at a, a career department they want to get hired at. That's a win for me. I'm happy. You know, plus we're getting the job done. You know, we're succeeding on the fire ground. I don't want to see fire grounds going sideways. I don't want to see accidents going sideways, you know. And we're correcting things. Of course, we're going to make mistakes doing stuff. Um, but, you know, I want to see that moving forward all the time. And we're just moving forward as a department, doing the right thing, doing the job right. Um, we, you know, we have certain beliefs. We have, we're kind of a northeast New York City mindset. You know, we're really not as much of a D.C. metro mindset. Um, so, you know. Those kinds of things I just want to see you done in the department as it progresses. Yeah, and, and just to kind of paint a picture, because I, now um, we're talking about today's Christiana and that you're, you know, the, you're the chief of, which is a, a, an incredible feat. Um, but the department itself, you're talking uh, equipment-wise. I mean, we talked about manpower, but what are we managing as equipment outside of the EMS, the fire side? What do, what do we have in-house? Apparatus? Yeah, apparatus. Uh, one, two, three, four engines. Um, three trucks so one's one spare truck um, we have a tiller that we uh, use as a rescue um, and then we have the tiller, the tower which is our frontline structural uh, truck um, and then we have uh, four engines um, newer seagrave a couple yeah. of pierces and where, where i was reserve. going with that is the the growth of the company right? right you know i mean it's not just the manpower but it's also the staffing and then being able to provide more services right because right. you have a robust role Right. Typically, every time I've been there, you have plenty of guys in house to at least staff an engine, a truck, and yeah. So the engine and truck staff twenty four seven. Okay. Um, and then as we get manpower in and out, we'll staff another engine. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I have to think for you, there's that feeling of um, you know you're probably doing a lot of home response as the chief if it's something significant. On duty. So we do one, one chief's on duty. Oh, you time. do. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I got yeah. you. So like today, uh, Battalion Chief Shanahan's work. He's the duty chief, so he covers okay. everything. So I, I was telling you about that run we had earlier. Yes, um, right. We had, just, uh, I was on the way here. We had to get dispatched for a trench, which is kind of rare for us, um, trench rescue. So they put this whole big assignment on it, and the battalion chief went, our battalion chief went. So I assigned myself just to, like, this could be something significant. I'll just go down and make sure, you know, everything's sure. going okay. And he's, you know, doesn't sure. feel like I'm leaving him yeah. hanging. But I got it. Besides no, I, that, yeah, right. Yeah, most of the time it's just whoever the chief is handling calls. So if there's a house fire down the road from me and there's another chief on, I don't necessarily go. Oh, okay. They'll take care of it. I got gotcha. you. What, what uh, just the, the buff side of me wants to know, so, like, if there's the engine and the truck that are staffed in the firehouse and a, and a house fire comes out, the, the county is also adding units, or is it just strictly? Yeah, so it's a, um, it's a pretty robust automatic aid. So the one big thing they did in, uh, in Newcastle County, was um determined departmental strength which just means here's what we think we can get out and the unit can go up to two so even though we have you know whatever four engines or whatever whatever um equipment you have it doesn't matter it's just what you think you can get out as far as a lot of companies are just one and then some are two so every house fire or every structural type fires four engines two trucks and a rescuer sent so that's really a four company or four department response depending on who's counting for one some it's a seven company response if they only count for one got it so yeah a lot of companies running in and out of everybody so yeah. okay and then do you got do you guys require minimum staffing for the county three three yeah. so every piece has to have three to qualify to be in service right or available well for the most part no not necessarily but yeah that's the goal okay so there's nothing really holding anybody accountable at the county level 
because they they provide us a grant and aid, but there's really we're five hundred one c threes, so there's really no oversight other than my board of directors to me. Oh, uh, okay. So county and the state give us money and, and grants, uh, but we're really kind of running our own show. So if if you want to run around with driver only all day, man, you but can. it's a, but it is a, just peer pressure, really. Is yeah, the, right. I is, got it. Right. There's a level of expectation. No, you're going to come to a Christiana box. You better. This yeah, is what we expect right. out of you. And we'll make our run cards like that. You know, so yeah. we kind of know who has people Got it. and who's coming. And then do you guys run common operating guidelines between all those departments since you yeah, run Yeah, so there's a, um, yeah, there's a county chiefs association that kind of makes some, some of the rules. They make dispatch rules. So each company gets a vote. We'll have a county chiefs meeting uh, once a month. Um, and operational issues can come up that meeting. And then they would vote on it as one company gets each vote. So if it passes by a majority, then that becomes a rule. So they have passed uh, standard SOPs as far as first engine does this, second engine does that, first truck does this, and pretty much everybody goes along with that. Um, you can bucket if you want to as a chief, but again, it's kind of peer pressure that, hey. Got it. And most guys, I mean, it really, the, the chiefs, it's 21, uh, 21 companies, so the other 20 chiefs I work with are great guys, and we get along good. And yeah. there's always going to be friction about, you know, this, that, or the other, but there's really no. Got know, it. Everybody gets along. And well. just for perspective, as Rob put it, for the buff that wants to know, which is, you know, me, of course, and Rob, <laughs> fire-wise, uh, do you know what you're doing? I mean, I know you're doing 4,000 runs a year, but you're doing structural fires on the regular, no? Yeah, yeah. Do yep. you know what that number is for? Like on fire? Yeah. Uh, around 100. About 100, 100 structural a fires a year. Well, on fire. On fire. Yeah. Structural runs, uh, box learners probably. Like, oh, yeah. Like 400, I think. Four, Got it. Reported fire. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, it's still, uh, still a pretty tasty number. What's the qualifier? Is it like got, a line's got to be stretched for it to be considered a structure fire? Or uh, yeah, yeah, line stretch were going on air. Okay. Yeah. So we had a little kitchen the other day, like we didn't count. So it was kitchen up in the cabinet, <laughs> smoke. <laughs> Somebody went it. to the hospital, smoke right. inhalation. Yeah. But it, like yeah. stove fire. Well, they got in, like the truck got in first, and they were layer in there, and it's just like you know, we just needed a line to come in here, was wet down. So it's like yeah, really got on a fire. You know? Yeah, but I love that. I love it. Well, I mean, it's it's just an incredible culture. And um, from somebody that knows it from the outside looking in, it is, to me, it's one of those gems that I think um, more people should try to emulate. And yeah. I think you should be very proud of what you guys have built there. And just for my, you know, little bit of knowledge I have within, you know, there's there's a lot of jealousy, too, about what you guys have built there. And for but, people, no, I mean that. Well, we got a lot of advantages, too. I mean, you know, it's kind of one that, like, the Patriots had Tom Brady. I mean, we got some advantages, too. Like, the 501c3 is really nice. Sure. And the fact that I report to a board. Right. But there's no politicians telling me what to do. Yeah. No, I get um, it. There's no state regulations. So this is, a good, you know, one of these good, bad things. No state regulations on training. So if somebody at the bus stop in front of the firehouse, I could pull that person off and like, hey, if I get on the fire truck. Now the liability's on us and my, me and the company, but there's no rules that say I have to be firefighter one or any of that stuff. So I, I know a lot of people kind of right? like, are you out of your mind? I'm like, wow. but it helps us be able to say, okay, we're setting the standard. Here's what you need to do. Well, so you guys you can take it out the other way and go, well, yeah. you, know, you don't have to do anything in here. But, you know. Absolutely, but you set the standard, and you have a high standard at Christiana, and yeah. so this is what we expect of you. But it puts yeah. it on the chief as far as having that, you know, and the board of directors as far as having that that standard. One of the things that I'm just, this question came to mind, and I don't know if you can answer it or you can try like hell to, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues in the fire service across the country. What, like knowing what you know in this path that you've walked with Christiana, what do you think some of the things that volunteer fire companies or fire departments that are struggling can do to 
help them because like, I think there's just so much resistance. But like they are, they, they are like a venomous snake that bites their own tail sometimes. Yeah, I, it's tough. It's like if you're a come from home, you know, it depends on your size, your area, and you know how many people you're protecting. Um, but I can see where places are struggling. If you're a small town, there's not that many people to come, you know, pick from. Right. People are working. You know, um, you can't have people in the firehouse all the time if you're only doing a hundred or a couple hundred runs. It's just, I don't think it's practical. I, I you know, just, you I know, look, you can't afford to hire people. Yeah. You know, then you're introducing uh, career staff into a volunteer situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't talked a lot about our career career guys, but our, our career guys are like top notch, fantastic guys, fantastic guys. Um, but anyway, so yeah. but addressing some of that stuff, I think it's tough because. Like, I got frustrated in Pennsville with some of that stuff just because I had, like, the town over me. I'm fighting with another fire company trying to get money. Um, you know, I have to come from home issues is trying to get, get things, uh, have people come up for a fire alarm at 2 in the morning. It's, you know, yeah. I don't think there's any clear answers. I think the, I, I think the interesting part, and what I, from Rob asking that question to your answer, and I'm, I'm sitting here, like, taking it all in, and I'm thinking about, you know, New Jersey because that's where your roots are and where a lot of your frustrated st- frustrations stem from. And I think about our position, me personally, and I look at that. We we have to answer to a mayor and council mm-hmm. who provides the operational budget for a municipal fire department, and they're always out looking for the best interest of the taxpayer, which we are too. But they look at the best interest of the taxpayer on the monetary side right. and not the – the safety side, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we provide you safety. Yeah, there's a fire department. Yeah, there's a police department. There's EMS. But the, the functionality of them could be, you know, on different ranges of the scale, right? And to get things done, for us to go to our municipality and tell them we're having staffing issues and we need to address this, it's not a priority for them. Right. right. And then they look at the price tag that goes along with that. And then trying to get your department to realize, like, hey, we do have a problem here. Let's start talking about it instead of waiting for it to be, you know, uh, really bad. Yeah. Right. Let's start opening the conversation and, and stop pretending that we don't have a problem and burning out. You know, I'm 27 years on the fire department. I'm more active, I think, today than I used to <laughs> because I have to be. Right. I have, you have no choice. I have this loyalty to what I was raised in. And I don't ever want to see that not answer the call. Right. And so I have this, like, unbelievable loyalty to it that – but it's but it's taking away other parts of it. I don't go to company meetings barely anymore. Right. Training, even training at night, I rarely get the training anymore because I'm usually working. I'm doing National Fire Radio or I'm doing work, my real job. Like, And so I don't even get to drill that much anymore, which is a weekly event. You right. know what I mean? And so that's becoming harder and harder to do. Some of so, the things I think like regionally is not, if you could, but it's tough with towns. I mean, as far as if you're doing, uh, maybe you do a duty crew. That was one of those things that appealed to me is like, if I could go up and give you eight hours, mm-hmm. but I know the other, whatever, 12 hours of the day, I don't have to come up because there's somebody else covering it. But you need like, you know, a decent amount of people to pull that off. And, you know, if you could do it regionally, maybe like town A has a crew, but B and C don't have a crew right now, you know, and town A covers all those areas. I think that's some of the solution, but it's, People working together and yeah. you know, egos oh, not getting in the way. That's and right. Understanding that, you know, town A has a yellow fire truck and it's coming into your town and you have red fire trucks and, you know, oh, my gosh. You yeah. Know, but oh, I think that goes before when I said, like, how would you put the egos in the drawer? And you said we were here for the citizens and we had to figure that out. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, that but is man, a We huge... had a lot of resistance. It wasn't, you know, oh, yeah. peaches and roses. It yeah. was, you know, right. bought along and just kept moving forward. But, yeah. On, on the fire side for you, like, what was it I'm trying to think how to put this right what what's it like in that transition of of rank and like what or nah, that's not the right 
I sorry, I just lost my question. Everybody, no, that's fine. So, all right, Kevin. So let's do this, right? Christian, I've been talking about it a lot, and I know that's a lot of your life. I mean, almost every day you're doing something for that fire company, and and so on. And career volunteer, busy. I mean, busy, busy fire company. Talk about yourself a little bit. And I know you don't want to. You've been deflecting every personal question we've asked you today. Because <laughs> it's boring. It's not boring. There's there's a Kevin Copperthwaite outside of Christiana also. So let's talk about Fire Department Training Network. I know that's okay. important That's a fun to you. place. Yeah. yeah. So I know that uh, that you've uh, several times when I've reached out to you or, or vice versa, uh, you happen to be out there. Mm -hmm. So I have to think that you're out there quite often. Yep. Probably not as much as you'd like to be because I know it's a fun place. I do almost... There's a couple I don't go out for class-wise, but as much as I can go out, I go out. So it, it, how it works is Jim's like, if Jim needs help, I go out. You know, because he's got guys that are local, so if he can cover a class with local guys, it just benefits him rather than having sure. me come all the way from Delaware. Right. How did that all come about? Well, uh, another, a lot of things, you know, is like anything in life, other people help you accomplish things. So I met um, Bob Pressler, Chief Pressler. Sure. And Chief Lombardo volunteered at Christiana. So they got me involved. It's like, hey, you want to come out and help? I'm like, yeah, sure. I want to circle back to that conversation, so but go when ahead. I, when, yeah. I, uh, when I went out and helped, and that's, I just got involved that way. And over the years, I've just been you know, more and more involved. So, talk so I retired, and then yeah. I had more time to go out. You know, sure. So. so talk about that a little bit, like the experience there and, and what, like for somebody that doesn't really know what yeah. FDTN is or what to expect. I mean, this is, I've heard it coined the Disney world of firefighting. Right. So is it's it? uh, so. Guy runs it is uh, Jim McCormick. Yep. He's a um, retired lieutenant out of Indianapolis. And uh, he had a vision for doing training. Um, and there's tons and tons of knowledgeable guys out there. Uh, I mean, probably in the 40s. I'm trying to think of a number of people out there to make the place run. Um, but so he does uh, container-based training, which just means that he built a bunch of props out of containers. And he runs uh, several classes a year. Um, different themes for each class and uh, you just go out there and participate and uh, so it does like uh, engine one truck one engine two truck two so that's kind of skills based and then you do fires at the end of the, the three-day period um, and then there's a one called combat so combat's a three-day class um, six different skill stations in the morning you do a skill station in the afternoon you do a skill station next day it's a different one you rotate around uh, there's one called combat where it's uh, four battalions so four engines four trucks four chiefs uh, you get assigned a piece of apparatus and you go to fires each around the whole place. So he's got a big complex I've out there it. outside of Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, you know, he has like a strip mall one. He has a uh, like a five story building. He's got a commercial building. He has a uh, ranch with a basement, um, like a townhouse, two story townhouse. So there's all these different props and he has different scenarios and different skills we can do in each prop. What? So that's the, the crux of it. But. What was your first impression going? Because, I mean, that, that I, I got to be honest, like Jeremy said before, we got to work out before we go there. I am excited, but I am very intimidated about going out there. For me, it was like being there. a pro because it's like, what yeah. in the world? Because you're just trying to learn <laughs> everything. Yeah, right. Because there's different ways he wants things, you know, yeah. different things you want uh, things done. And, you know, so, but I took, um, I don't know, probably took five or six of classes before I went out there and oh, was, was helping out too. Okay. Yeah. Do yeah. you send people from Christiana out there? Yeah, absolutely. You do. Yeah. What do you, what's your recommendation? I mean, obviously you you work there, you know, but uh, I mean, it is a must for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Camp's fantastic. Uh, so camp, they do um, six different skills, which is uh, forced entry, and he has a whole forced entry. Uh, there's eight doors in this container. Um, you go outward opening and inward opening doors, and then he just ups it up. So you start out, you know, a lot. You can see everything, then it goes to the point where you're on your knees because they have a fire in the back and it's smoking, and you're like pitch black. Um, so you do force entry, you do uh, a basement fire, 
Um, you do search uh, and VES is one of the stations. Um, survival and RIT, uh, so both of the survival and RIT ones are fantastic. Um, and then I was trying to think of the last one here right off the top of my head. Um, I can't think of it right. Fuss Brantry, search, basement, uh, too far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, no, but I mean, doesn't listen, matter. <laughs> but, but I think it should be stressed, though, the reality of this training. Yeah, it's very, this very is, good. This very is good. not your local fire academy no, with a propane propane. No, it's live conditions. A couple of pallets. Um, I mean, this is legit. Yeah, live conditions and, and doing uh, your skills under live conditions. Yep. So I, I talked to uh, I talked to a gentleman a while back who went there because he felt that he didn't receive the training he needed to be a good fireman. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I, I saw what FDTN was. He said, I wanted to get out there. He said he got there. And if it wasn't for a career fireman out of some southern i think texas dallas or something like that he said i probably wouldn't have made it through he goes my training did not prepare me for that and those were training fires and i've had conversations like that with a few people that have been there and they can't say enough about it but it is a hell of a program yeah it's very nice and you do um so you do a company officer training too i just took that i went out for the first time helped out with that one uh this year um and that was fantastic I mean, highly recommend anybody who wants to do company officer stuff. Yeah. Can you take that class? And it's this not is, a lot of fire. It's, um, there's some fire in it, but it's a lot of good um, experience, learning. Um, people that are teaching it are fantastic. You know, yeah. So. And this is no nonsense. I mean, this is, you know, you're there and you're, you're working. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. It's awesome. I can't wait to experience it. I do want to reach out to uh, Jim and, uh, and introduce myself to him. We, we texted back and forth, but uh, haven't spoken yet. But I'd like to do that because I'd love to get out there and, and feature it and yeah. show it off. Yeah. I think people need to know it's there and what it offers because I, I think it does bring tremendous value yeah. to those that go. It's a fantastic place. Jim's already done a fan. I mean, so it's, you know. Well, it's, grow, it's growing like leaps and bounds, yeah, right? Places, or it has. Like, it's addressed, you know, so when you do the, the combat, you're getting actually a physical address and you respond either, you know, one engine, one truck, or some fires are two engines, some two trucks. Um, you get a physical address, you respond, and operate as you would operate here. You know, right. you pull up, there's the fire, there's the smoke. Take care right. of it. Mm-hmm. How often? How often are classes? Because it's not. It's not. Is it year round or is it like? It's year round. It is. Yeah. Okay. It, it takes on uh, the summers off because it just gets too hot, um, and then the winters off. So our last class is in uh, the second week of November, and I think we start up again in April. Okay. Yeah. So the winters off. Very cool. Well, I definitely want to uh, reach out and certainly make that. Uh, yeah, but if, you, if you're interested, just like Google uh, for those at home. If Google um, FDTN, he's got some great videos on there. Kind of shows you what we do. For sure. Um, and like I said, uh, top quality instructors from all around the country. Yeah. Fantastic guys. Yeah. Like I said, I put on that little thing I sent you. Like I help mm-hmm. out because I really don't instruct there because uh, the guys instructing there are like <laughs> top top notch. You know. I, listen, don't, don't, listen, regardless, you know, I mean, being a part of, of uh, helping and crafting and shaping the guys that go there. I mean, you, you, you know, you're certainly instrumental in that. I mean, that's, you know, it speaks to who you are and how much you love it. I mean, I, I did, you know, I, I mentioned it before and I'll say it again, like the, the quick couple times that I've been at Christiana and spent some time with you, just seeing how you conduct yourself and carry yourself and how you uh, talked with the the men and women there, and then seeing your fireground presence, it was uh, it was fun to be a part of, yeah. and um, you could see your passion for the job and um, and your love for it, and so it's just it's refreshing. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah Christiana wise for FDTM, we sent uh, I say it was I think thirty guys. So we did a crew of fifteen went out for three days. Oh wow! Drove out 
Yeah. And then as they were driving back, the another crew was driving out. Wow. And did another three days. So we did six days of kind of a Christiana program out there, just in the different props and all. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, I bet. I bet. Were you there with them? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was there all six days. Yeah. That's cool. That's a lot of fun. And we kept the firehouse staffed, you know, the whole time. Well, you listen, you (laughs) could do that when you're running fires and you got tons of people. I mean, (laughs) I listen, I'm very interested in the program. And uh, I'm curious, you know, because it's so foreign to me about how you um, were able to pull this off. Because it's just, to me, in my world, it's it's hard to understand. But I can understand how it works. It's just, I would love to see how we could make it work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And Well, and the, the, crew, the crew guys are essential. I yeah. mean, we get, you know, there's five per shift. It's the backbone, right? Like, right. They're, they're there. They're getting the apparatus out. Right. There's a career app captain, a career lieutenant every day. Right. You know, so they're kind of doing the board. Now, the, the volunteer career, uh, volunteer officers are there, too, and they're doing the board. So it depends on who's there. But I always say the board because the board's kind of the crux of who's where, doing what at the time. Um, but those guys are the backbone as far as making sure we, you know we have enough people in the seats. How does how does that how do you manage that relationship between career and volunteer? Because when I was there the couple of times, it was pretty seamless. Like I yeah, no, they, everybody gets along great. Yeah, you know, there's always a little frictional or whatever, something stupid. But but, it, but do you contribute that to the level of of clear expectations? Yeah, yeah, and a level of proficiency. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody's if, expected the same. It doesn't matter if you're getting paid or not. That's right. You know, so <laughs> everybody's expected to do. Yeah, well, job and do, and do same the right, job, the right? right? Yeah. I think yeah. that's huge, too, because that's, you know, I, I got to see a, a diverse group of people come in when I was in PG, and it was always, I mean, like, as long as you did the job, most like, I don't want to say we never had any problems in Hyattsville, but, like, we had very few problems in Hyattsville. Like, we had great career staff, but I, I remember I asked one of the guys once, and I said, hey, like, what's it like on the south side? And he's like, <laughs> and he sent me down to a place where I could go see it because mm-hmm. I, I truly wanted to learn about it right. just to understand perspective, and I couldn't believe it. Like it was like cats pissed off cats in a bag. Like, oh, yeah. and I just and I was like that. I rode the night and I said I'm going back to company one. <laughs> Head back at the one. Good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that that setting that expectation is huge because like that's I think the other side of the problem is you know when it comes to finding solutions for responses and they talk about career staffing you know somebody's always worried about something there and like i I hate the friction of it because like i remember where i started so i don't ever want to be in that position and i think a lot of people forget that but like you have to set out the expectations or else you're going to have a a problem and i know a lot of people i see a lot of failures because it seems like they put the cart before the horse where they'll hire career staffing without maybe a paid administrator or somebody to help guide that process or who's dialed in. Yeah. Um, but like, do you have any thoughts on that or? No, I, we, we've always gotten along great with everybody as far as we, you know, uh, we're very selective who we're hiring, you know, we're mm-hmm. taking a look and we know, kind of know who we're hiring before we hire them. Um, so then it, the guys have always meshed. Um, our, my career assistant chief, then his name's Dennis Godak. Uh, Dennis has always done a, uh, huge priority on making sure everybody's getting along. So he's kind of running it from his side on the top as far as, hey, you know, we're not here to fight. We're not here. We're here to get along. An and, operation like yours isn't going to allow it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Because it, it then it calls into question everything that you've done and you're right. doing. And so that's got to be clipped very early on before yep. it gets any, you know, cancerous, if you yeah. will. Yeah. So, Kevin, what's next for you, brother? I mean, Christiana's keeping you busy. Anything else on the horizon? Or Nothing Christiana? on the horizon. Nothing, Very content huh? in life. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> enjoying, enjoying retirement, going to fires, yep. and life is good. Yeah. So I can't do it anymore. 
I mean, it's just age. Will be yeah. the age will be my closing. Well, you got plenty of time left, no, brother. You, so. You're young, man. You're young. I'm not that young. But. Yes, you are. <laughs> well, listen, I can't thank you enough for joining us um, here. And, um, you know, I really hope that, uh, you know, we did our part today to share some of your story, talk yeah. about Christiana and, and how important that is to you um and so on but i i truly appreciate you making the trip up to spend some time with us today no, i really enjoyed it and really uh, enjoyed it. yeah i'd love to have you back and frankly i'd love to try to get back down to christiana soon and i'd love to see maybe do some type of story on the uh orientation the ride along and the oh, yeah, sure. and the the school yep. that you guys do because i think that to be able to put that out there in an, in an organized uh media piece for you guys um, also would share and spread the word about how you guys do it, and it might help other departments that are having similar, yeah. you know, struggles, if be you happy will, to. at one time. Yeah, so we could talk about that. I'd love to be able to do that um, and so on, and uh, hopefully one day maybe I'll ride down there. So Sounds good. But, yeah. Look Everybody's forward. welcome. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, if people are interested, Chief, where can they find you guys, and how do they get in touch with you? Uh, it's just Christiana Fire, ChristianaFC.org is our okay. website. You can get us on there. Social media and so on, yeah, and then yep. uh, look up. You guys, I know you do post on your social media when you guys are doing, uh, when ride-alongs have to be completed yeah. before the, yep. the orientation class. Yeah. And Chief so Shanahan runs that, and he's he's pretty on that. So if you, um, yeah, I'm not sure, really sure. I think it's ride-along at CF. Christiana at FC.org. I'm not really. We'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on social media. Listen, if you're listening yeah, to this podcast on any us. channels, you'll find them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christiana Delaware. Uh, if you found us, you can find them. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, Chief uh, Kevin Copperthwaite, thank you for joining us today, brother. I thank appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thanks, your thank you, yeah. for Thank you. And for everybody tuning in, thanks for listening to another episode of National Fire Radio's podcast. We'll be back at you next week with another episode. Take care. Be safe. Talk to you soon.